Welcome, People First Leaders. This is your weekly special episode of the Leading People First podcast, where you get to listen in on the honest and most likely uncomfortable conversations from our latest Leaders of Equity, Allyship, and Diversity event. If you are frustrated, saddened, bewildered, or feeling any other emotions due to the hate, violence, inequity, and injustice in our society, you are not alone. The Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity host weekly events to allow leaders to come together, discuss, learn, share, and activate to make a difference in the world. What you're about to listen to is our discussion from the latest meeting where we brought to light the growing anti-Asian sentiment leading to the harassment, verbal abuse, violence, and even murders of the API community members. Cheryl Leung joined me as we talked collectively to identify how we can show up for the Asian and Pacific Islander communities. If you want to learn more and be empowered to act, You'll have to join us next week. Listen to the end to get some more information. So get ready to come together and lead, and let's dive on in. This is the Leaders for Equity, Allyship, and Diversity. For those of you who are new to our group, lead intensive engaged participants in respectful, enlightening, and inspiring dialogues and interactions, which advance positive culture transformation on an organizational, community, and global scale. We believe that this inspires action, and empowers all to make a positive difference on an individual level as well as a societal one. My name is Chris Lynn. I am one of the co-founders yeah. of LEAD. With us here tonight, we have Yvonne Alston and John Carlson and Sarah Phelps, who are also co-founders of this group. Tonight, we are going to be speaking with Cheryl Young on the importance and uh, of what we need to do next within our group's uh, both as people of color, as allies for the Asian American Pacific Islander communities. Uh, just a couple of house rules to start. Let's have civility guiding our engagements. Please be respectful and embrace the differences of our opinions and perspectives. I expect us to disagree um, and I expect everyone to still treat each other with that civility. Let's create a safe space for vulnerability and transparent dialogue, which requires empathy and discretion. And again, a disclaimer, this session is being recorded for those who are unable to attend and want to listen to afterwards. It will be available on the Leading People First podcast if you would like to revisit this conversation in the future. And again, I am happy to talk to Cheryl tonight. So Cheryl, why don't you uh, give a quick introduction of, uh, of who you are? Hi, my name's Cheryl. Um, pronouns are she, her, they, them. I am based um, in um, occupied Ohlone land, um, San Francisco, and um, founder of Leading with Consciousness, um, and happy to be here. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you for taking time. You and I have been having a, a lot of these conversations lately, and I know you've been having even more than, than just uh, you and me. So I'm excited to talk about what's been going on um, and share more with the community, what's been happening to the Asian American Pacific Islander community. So to start, why don't you um, just kind of tell us what, what has been happening? Why are we having these conversations right now? Well, I think, you know, I've been starting this conversation for um, probably exactly a year ago was the first panel I put together, um, similar in nature, um, uh, trying to help uh, people understand that this is a sudden rise in, in hate. Um, I think this hasn't been new. Um, I think the anti-Chinese specifically um, sentiment has been growing over the years. Um, 
of course, it, it started way back when the first Chinese immigrants arrived um, to build the railroads, to, um, to work in the cotton fields. Um, but it has snowballed to what's going on today. Um, I think that the former president um, has not helped at all, right? The statements he made were extremely racist um, and incited more violence. Um, each time he used specific word that racialized the coronavirus, we would see an increase in hate crime almost immediately within 48 hours. Um, and so this isn't new, um, but I do wanna say that why it has suddenly hit the media in this way has been, um, I wanna say a little surprising and the way in which the angle in which the media has chosen to talk about this has almost derailed the conversation. This is actually an international issue. Um, Anti-Chinese or Sinophobia has been just extreme in the last year, but this is the way that the media finally has chosen to talk about it in the mainstream um, has sort of shifted it into an Asian black issue and it really is derailing the conversation. Um, and in, in some ways it has become an anti-black um, sentiment with, with mainstream media and I strongly disagree with that. And I really wanna shift back to the conversation that this is an international, um, hatred issue that has surfaced because of the racialization of the coronavirus. Um, and the WHO has stated really clearly that racializing the coronavirus is not advice because of, of discriminatory things that can come up. And so um, with that, I hope that introduces the topic. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you, uh, again, who are listening and in, in, in the audience, feel free um, if you have any questions, put them in the chat. We want to hear your questions. This is a very open forum today. So if you have any questions, we'll take them as they come. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll get to a point where we can also break out in, in a little bit to help you brainstorm on uh, next steps and actions that you can take as well. Um, so as we look at... Um, you know, the, everything that's been happening, there's been a lot of, I actually just read a report myself that to, to back up what you just said, that this is an international thing. I saw a report that in Vancouver specifically, I mean, not too international, but still technically international, where they've seen a 700% increase in um, hate crimes against Asian uh, Asians in Vancouver. So again, this is not just happening here in the United States. I think it's exacerbated because of Again, like you said, the, the rhetoric of the previous administration. Um, but this is something that we absolutely have to start addressing and um, look to others to help boost our voices and, and the profile of us as a group. For those who you know, ask, you know, why, why now? You know, why are Asian Americans speaking up now? Or why has this not been an issue before? Like, you know, I have my own thoughts. I'll, I'll chip in in a little bit, but what would you say to that, to, to those who ask, like, why is this happening? Why are we speaking up now? A couple of different things. One, I don't think that we've been silent at all. I think that we have absolutely been vocal. I don't think the media ever covers what's going on with API. Um, and the myth of the model minority is, is the myth that's often perpetuated that nothing ever bad happens to us, that we are these high achieving, um, great at math, you know, in Silicon Valley or something and drive Lexuses or whatever. I, we have a Prius, but um, silence has also been stereotyped. Um, and it, it's a conundrum because I think that silence is honored and revered in many of our ancient cultures. 
Um, but I think that in this country, it does get weaponized against us. It becomes racism towards us. Um, and I think that some of the violence and the hatred that comes our way is because we are stereotyped as being quiet and silent. Um, and so uh, why are we speaking up now? I think that for me, I think that we've always been talking and speaking up, um, but I don't think we've heard very often. And I think that many of our cultural values are weaponized against us. Um, that's sort of my take. What, what about you, Chris? What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you look at the you look at the murder of the woman in Brooklyn, the elder in Brooklyn, right? Um, she was set on fire and killed in Brooklyn. Uh, this was a number of months ago at this point. And the first news that came out about it was like a tiny independent report, right? From an independent media outlet. And that was two weeks later, two weeks, you know, like that alone should tell you how, how little the spotlight is shown on the Asian American community. And again, the model minority myth is something that we are constantly fighting against uh, because it is used and was developed from white supremacy, right? And it, it was used to be, uh, to silence our voices, to put us in line. And that is, uh, I think, some of the toughest things that we as, um, as a group have to fight against. I'm seeing some questions here come in. Uh, first one is, can you comment on the similarities or differences between East Asian and South Asian experiences in the current upsurge of violence and increased media coverage? You know, when most people think about Asian, Cheryl, I think they, they think about people who look like you and me, right? They don't think about South Asian. Um, and so that is something that is a that is vastly underreported as well. And this as a whole, let's just say, right? All of this reporting is vastly underreported. So that's one way that we need to start acting is, is if we start seeing these things happening in your community, what it doesn't have to be physical, right? It doesn't have to be violent, but if you see verbal abuse or anything like that, like you need to report it and there are places for you to report it such as stopaapihate.org. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as um, the similarities or differences between East Asian and South Asian experiences, I don't know if I can answer that. Do you have an I think, answer? I think, if, I think if, if the person asking the question was referring to the hatred that happened after post 9-11 where people couldn't tell the difference between um, a South Asian or an Arab or a Middle Eastern or an Iranian or a Turkish person, I think, I think that um, even um, when that was happening, I think there was a lot of solidarity between Japanese Americans coming together with um, South Asians and West Asians and Middle Eastern folks at the time, because I think that they could relate um, because of uh, the internment camps and what happened. Uh, geopolitical um, incidences or conflict with the US often hits Asia and it's like Russian roulette. It's like which group is going to get it next. It all it's always about what geograph geopolitical thing is happening. And that's the group that's going to get it. Um, so uh, I guess in that case, I could probably see that similarity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another question. Now we can speak out, but how can it be effective? So how, I, I'm going to take that as how can our message be more effective? either from uh, us as a community or from allies. You know, for, 
for allies, it's just, again, I would say just constantly speaking up, right. And, and constantly fighting for, um, those that, you know, in your, in your realm who are, who do identify as Asian American Pacific Islander. Right. Um, and again, when we speak, say Asian, I mean, all, I mean, I'm all encompassing all of Asia, um, and speaking up for them. The other thing that, you know, is going back to the solidarity with other groups and people of color is we have to stand in solidarity with them as well. So just because you, whoever's listening to this, you're listening to this and you're saying, I need to stand up for Asian people does not mean you're not standing up for black people does not mean you're not standing up for the Latinx community or the LGBTQ community, right? We are all marginalized and we're, we've all been oppressed. So we all have to uh, just because we're fighting for the Asian community today or right now, right this minute, does not mean we're not going to fight for one of those other groups the next minute or tomorrow. Um, another question, do you think the increased international focus of Chinese investment and influence, especially the Western hemisphere, has contributed to the increase of xenophobia specifically? Do you want me to jump in? Yeah, this? yeah if you could. Like it's, like, it's like opening a can of worms here. Yes. And, and people really need to separate how they feel about the Chinese government versus people who happen to look Chinese to them, right? It's, it's what you see in front of you. Um, I think that, again, the geopolitical issues are oftentimes um, people like us receive it as xenophobia and racism. Like, it, it's, it's almost like it, it comes hand in hand. We, we need to separate what's anti-Chinese government versus anti-Chinese. And then what sinophobia? Um, a lot of the, you know, I was I was sort of sitting down with um, some um, of my uh, Jewish activist friends, and we were comparing what the rhetoric was like right before, um, um, you know, the Holocaust, right? And the stereotypes and the the ways they were talking about the Jews, it's exactly the same rhetoric that's being used to be talked about Chinese in the in the U.S. right now. Um, and so that's scary to me because, um, you know, they were talked about as foreign. They were talked about as people who were investing in properties. They were, you know, you know just, just a bunch of stereotypes that were very scary and, and dangerous and um, bringing up issues of scarcity, psychological scarcity for people. Um, and, and it led to, to the Holocaust. So I think uh, we do need to be really careful with um, how, again, geopolitical issues and um, economic kind of uh, sentiments, how they're being played out in terms of racism and xenophobia for our community. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, as you're saying that, and, and it, it brought me back to what you said a few minutes earlier about the Russian roulette of um, the groups that are being targeted, right? I mean, just what, two years ago, maybe three years ago now, I can't keep track of time anymore. Um, but the, the, again, the previous administration talking about um, people from South America, people who looked Hispanic or, or Mexican, right? Coming over the border and caging them up and calling them dirty. And um, all of those really just stoking fears amongst his base or just amongst society. And so we have to be very careful when we start hearing that and start fighting against that and say, you know, at least in my opinion is shooting those down immediately because those are just not true. And really questioning anyone who makes any of those comments um, because that's um, it's very dangerous rhetoric. And if we don't stand up for it when, as it's happening, then we're just 
it's just as bad as being complicit and being silent. So we have to, sh we have to shut that down. Um, I saw a comment here. Yeah. So uh, Reddit has a group that posts anti-Asian experiences, but some demonstrate that shouting back or stalking or ineffectual or backfire on gaining sympathy for Asians. Yeah. Again, that's, um, it goes back to this, this notion of um, being loud, right? Um, you know, I, I see that in any other marginalized group, you know, uh, for example, the black community, you can't protest like this. You can't be in the streets. You can't block, block, uh, block down uh, highways. Okay. We will, you know, we'll kneel at games. Nope. You can't do it that way either. Well, we won't, you know, we'll walk out at work. Nope. You can't protest that way either. Like, it's like, no matter what you do, no matter how you act up and bring up things for any group, it's going to be seen as a negative. So just do it. Like, just do it. It doesn't matter. You're, you're going to get flack for it is, is my opinion. The, the route that you personally take, there are so many routes too. And I, I've seen this in the discussions that within the Asian community that we've been having is we should do it this way. We should do it this way. We should do it this way, you know, but it's like, no, there are so many different ways and people feel like they can do, you know, they, they'll fit they'll feel like they can fit in a, in a certain way. Like for me, I don't feel comfortable getting into the policymaking side of things. I am comfortable here where I'm having conversations and make spreading awareness. Right. And so whatever you feel suits your gifts, that is what I recommend for you. Cheryl, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, you know, if, if you don't have a voice, use whatever else, like um, this needs to get out because there's so much gaslighting. Um, I think that our, uh, I think the way that someone like me is perceived, um, it goes one of two ways. One, your racism isn't really all that bad and like, aren't you all okay and perfect and fine? Um, aren't you all doing well? Um, and, or it goes um, in the other direction where, um, Oh really? Are you angry? You look like Hello Kitty. That's the that's the other direction it can go to. And and so um, I found myself just having to overcompensate and being even louder than I normally am. And and write you know typing things in bold and you know just yeah going for it. I'm seeing a number of comments saying that um, we all need to band together across groups. All Asians need to be need to come together. Absolutely true. Um, I will personally also say there's a lot of infighting that happens between, you know, within Asian groups, within Asian communities. Um, and I don't think that's different, any necessarily any different than any other marginalized group or any oppressed group. I, you know, I see a couple people being like, yes. So, <laughs> um, so um, just because that is happening does not mean we're not doing great work or that we should stop. Um, we have to absolutely band together and, recognize what we are trying to do, which is at the end, dismantling white supremacy, dismantling the systems and structures. I think John posted this just earlier today. We have to work together to tear down the structures that have been built up against us. One, uh, here's a comment. One of the things that, one of the things is that Asians have so many variations. There's miseducation when it comes to the Asian community and grouping into one bucket. Yep. This happens across many groups such as Hispanics, Islanders. The issue is if one group is categorized to be responsible for what it does to the segmented group, it's not fair. Yeah, absolutely. 
I agree with standing together, but should we be concerned about marginalizing the issues specific to specific groups? If this is a concern, how could we best approach it? I think that once there is violence and tissue damage, and once there is um, any kind of discrimination or oppression of any kind, societal oppression, this is a humanitarian issue. So if you're human, please, please join in this, this fight. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is a human issue. Um, so that's sort of my response to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, someone asked, what is gaslighting? Could you ex explain that, please? I, I think this, this term was uh, sort of circling therapists um, when we talk about abusive relationships and there is an, the, the sort of the, the partner that is abusive um, has the manipulative ability to make the other partner feel as if their reality doesn't exist and, and the abused person who's experiencing the abuse almost starts to question their reality in, in this sort of manipulative abusive relationship. And um, I think racial gaslighting has that same effect where white supremacy um, makes you know, people of color, BIPOC feel as if their experience doesn't matter, doesn't count, isn't really real. Um, and um, that's gaslighting where your experience is erased. Yeah, I can't, uh, I can't <laughs> expand on that much more. <laughs> um, perfect. Um, Fantastic. All right. Any, if there's any more questions or comments, feel free to put them in. Uh, there's always a difference of opinion within groups, yet I feel that continuing, continuing, sorry, the squabbling is a way the white supremacist system divides and conquers and marginal, conquers marginalized groups. Yes, absolutely. Um, you look at that divide and conquer strategy that, um, that is often used um, by authoritarians, fascists. They try to split up the the main party that is against them. And if you split them into factions, then they start fighting against each other and they are not able to band together and fight against what they're actually trying to fight for. Um, I do have one question here that says, what does lead suggest us as a group? I don't want to speak on behalf of my co-founders. I don't believe we've developed any sort of one size, you know, one method or one thing to do. Do we stand against racism in all facets absolutely this is why one this is why this group was created this we stand against every instance of hate no matter who the group is um, and so we are here to create not just awareness i see that question uh genie out it's not just about creating awareness but allowing people to come together and have uncomfortable conversations because when we look at how do we make change you can't just go from being aware to being an activist and an ally in one day. You need to get, you need to be able to start speaking it and start advocating and start having the, that education and the, everything in your toolkit to be able to become activated and empowered to make a change. So that's what we're here for. We're on the, we're closer to the side of education, but again, it's to allow individuals like yourselves, everyone's here to learn, to absorb, to get some of the tools. And again, feel comfortable in these awkward moments, because just like anything else, right? If you practice being uncomfortable in a safe environment, then you will be able to, you will be much more comfortable in those uncomfortable environments outside in the real world. So that is what we want to be able to do. And thank you, Yvonne, for posting our mission there as well. Uh, as activists, what actions can we take to create change? Cheryl, would you mind taking that one? You know, I, um, 
everybody has a different lane and, and a different role to play in social change and transformation. Um, you know, you may be a storyteller and, and that's your, and that's, and that's your power and that's your talent. You may be someone who's really good at organizational change and, and you, you're an industrial psychologist and maybe that's, that's your power. Um, you may be someone who's a great speaker and you, and you, and you talk about this and, and you get in front of groups and you talk. Um, you may be someone who's more um, intimate and personal and you may be doing this on a personal level where you're checking each other on anti-Asian sentiment because anti-Asian sentiment isn't new. It's, it's, in, it's in the air. This, I mean, this is the United States. Anti-Asian sentiments have been there since um, the first Chinese immigrants arrived. Um, and so um, wherever you, whoever you are, whatever your specific path is in social transformation, um, whether it's personal, professional, organizational, um, you know, that's, that's your path. Yeah, I agree. And we're all on different, different journeys as well. We're all at different stages in our journey, right? Um, you may have come to this group just to learn and be more aware of the issue. We're not, I do, I would not expect you to turn around after the session and be able to say, you know, be able to like go and make policy or, you know, fight for change within your organization, because you may not have that skill set yet, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, we're all on, on different paths. We all have different gifts. So it is, um, it is not for me to say you need to do one thing or another. Um, I think this is actually a good time, Cheryl, unless, unless you have anything, uh, unless you would like to add anything else um, for people to maybe break out into rooms and talk amongst each other about your own gifts and what you can do to help make change. Yeah, maybe this is a good time for breakup, but I just wanted to talk about dividing and conquering just a little bit more because I think it's yeah. the specific issues directly related to this. I think the model minority myth that that is um, was specifically created to divide Asians and black folks. Um, it was anti-blackness um, during the civil rights movement that created the model minority myth so that it, we could be pitted against black folks. Um, white supremacy loves divisions. It's what, it's the thing that it feeds on. That's food for white supremacy. So if we want to um, starve the monster, we need to not be divided and we need to work on solidarity and allyship and to understand each other and to take the time to not see each other through the lens of white supremacy and, and really see each other for who we are. Um, so that's the last, yes, last thing absolutely. there. Absolutely. Um, and I do want, there's been a number of comments and, and things that have come in uh, in the last minute. Uh, Richard provides a couple of suggestions on if you want to deepen your awareness, uh, if you want to push your own workplaces and companies, as well as if you're interested in the political grassroots power building and get involved with local community-based organizations, um, there are there are uh, resources available. He has some links there as well. And what I'll do as well, uh, or us as a group for lead is we always send an email afterwards. We will include all of these links and resources for you. That way you don't have to try and scroll through <laughs> right now and try and find them. So we will do that for you. We'll do the heavy lifting. That way we can point you to the right resources. Um, I did see another comment I wanted to call out. Steve said, uh, and yet to change the institutional framework that promotes racism, we need to expand the umbrella to include our white brothers and sisters. Their active support, especially as they hold positions of power, must be part of achieving social justice and racial equality. 
100%, Steve, I can't agree more. I mean, for those of you who were able to join us last week, that's, that's what we were talking about last week, right? Is making sure we do not alienate our allies. We cannot alienate our allies. And the thing that um, I've been telling a lot of individuals recently has been, unfortunately, and I'll put that in quotes, unfortunately, for those of us who have, who are marginalized or who are dealing with these issues, we have to go to them. We have to meet people where they are at. They will not meet us halfway. We have to go to them. So that is, that is why allyship across groups is so important because for myself as an Asian American, that is an emotional burden that I'm holding. So for me to go out and constantly reach out to try and fight for myself is very difficult, but I may try and reach out to my black brothers and sisters, my white brothers and sisters and say, Hey, I need you to, I need your allyship here to help and support and start talking to those individuals and start bringing them over. Right. And I will do the same for them. So again, that's where allyship uh, really takes a, a big, big stance. All right. Uh, I think again, this is a great time to break out into rooms. So I will randomly break everyone out into rooms. And what you, what we'll do is again, have you all just Think about your own gifts, where you are in your journey. This is a no pressure situation. If you're not sure, that is not a problem. Just let people know and um, just talk, try, see how can you come to the table and start speaking up. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you again for going into those breakout rooms. I hope it was uh, productive for all of you uh, and you learned a little bit, maybe even about yourself. That, that ultimately is my hope is that you learned a little bit about yourself and you can come away from today saying, you know what, this is what I can do next, right? Even if it's something small, it doesn't have to be that you're going to go march tomorrow. It doesn't have to be that you're going to go and again, you know, run for governor or run for state assembly or something. If it's just at least, hey, I'm going to start sticking up for these other people that need, uh, that need to have their voices raised up. I will call that a win. I will absolutely call that a win. So um, again, I will, uh, let's, let's start listening or, or hearing back from some of the groups. Um, let's start with room one. I'll just go down room one through five, right? So room one was Brian Kelly, Carly, Stacy, Tiffany, and Tom. Any, any thoughts or any big insights that you would like to share with everyone? Uh, I'll, if you guys don't mind, I'll speak for us. Uh, we all learn that we have to unlearn a lot of things. Um, we're all a fan of courageous conversations, of reaching out to our Asian friends and family and kind of listening to what they have to say and find out how to be an ally using our power and platform. Some of us are in HR, some of us um, maybe have people in the medical field. So, you know, maybe challenging that those administrations and groups, what are you doing as far as support? And some of us wanted to get a little more involved in local politics and, and educating ourselves more about that. So that was our group. Fantastic. Thank you, Stacy. Wonderful. Room two was Jeannie, Locke, Rocky, and Viet. Feel free, uh, any, any one of you to hop in and share. Um, I can speak for, for the group, uh, if you don't mind. Um, you know, we learned that we are storytellers, organizers, bridge builders, and uh, masters at uh, building connections with other people. So 
Um, I, I think that going back to Cheryl's point earlier in terms of us contributing in the way that we can, I think, you know, it was pretty good to see the, to see that the, the five of us all sort of know how we can participate and understand what our place is in this, in this process. And, um, it's, it's really good started. It's really, I, I think it, it validates the fact that people have really thought about this through and have kind of internalized, you know, how, how do I play a role in this entire big, large process? Um, and it was really nice to see. Beautiful. Thank you. Room three was Keith, Lindsay, Rashmi, Steve, and Tom. I can jump in quickly and Steve, Keith, Rashmi, if there's anything you want to add. So some of us have experience and some of us are here warning for the first time. I feel like even though I've, I've been attending some of these calls for a while and I feel like I have something to offer, I've, there's so much more I have to learn. And it was also... Um, we talked about some of the, the importance of responding in a way that's culturally sensitive to for Asian American and Pacific Islanders and also in a way that is recognized. So that was something that was really intriguing just to think about what needs to be shown up. And I think Keith, apologies if I'm uh, mis- <laughs> misconstruing some of these words or miscommunicating them, but I feel like you really raised an interesting point is that there's, it's not easy for this to be, to be manifest and shown up in a way that is more visible, more consistently. So that's a, a real challenge. And at the same time, there's also just wonderful glimmers of light with, with some of the, the storytelling that's occurring and some of the documentation that Steve was sharing about. So I don't know if there's anything that uh, you three want to add. Hopefully that covers the bulk of it. Rashmi, you're unmuting. You want to talk? No, I. <laughs> um, no, no. Thank you, Keith, uh, Thomas, Steve. Uh, no, but I was um, just going through the notes, um, and I really appreciate what uh, Thomas just uh, summarized. Um, I appreciate what Lindsay mentioned. You know, uh, she's, uh, you know, becoming more aware and here to see how she could build that ally. Um, so much resonates to what we um, are here to uh, support each other. And I think that's such a valid point that she mentioned, um, you know, so something uh, that good takeaway. I mean, sometimes you're here to learn, sometimes you're here to share, but it's so essential to kind of make that extra step, go out and be that ally. You know, it's so essential. This word is actually uh, ringing every day ever since I've heard on lead. And it makes more sense uh, to become that individual and that professional. It's, it's so critical to be that ally. Thank you. Thank you, Rashmi. And thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Uh, room four is Andy, Chiamaka, uh, I apologize if I mispronounced your name, Rosie, Sarah, and Tanya. Okay, so no one is going to speak up. Should I, lead, should I speak for the group, Sarah? I think, I think you're, you're speaking now, so go for it, Tanya. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my gift for Gab. Um, okay, so there were different factors that, uh, that was addressed in here. 
Um, Andy, which was pretty silent, but he brought up a good factor and told, had a story to tell about Google. I started out being very like upset about the organization here and now trying to do this diversity things and embrace diversity. But the, I feel as though they do it for show, but I don't see action. So I have a problem with they just sending out videos and sending out like these large communication, even my company do it, but they're doing nothing. But I had hope when Andy, my little friend over there, expressed that Google really was, there's some organization that really are doing things and making a difference that he has saw, seen an influx of change. Uh, what we can do uh, and what I've realized, like I knew that, these things was happening with the Asian and, and Trump was doing this. But for me, when I first saw it in the news and I started to see the news and it started from last week, it broke my heart and cried that they were doing that to old Asian. Like I am an advocate for people of any kind. And I found that really sad. And the first thing that I thought was, okay, there was a man that continuously, continuously with his words, antagonized people and literally did a Jim Jones thing. So it brainwashed people to believe that the Asian was responsible for what was all happening. And I was flabbergasted that, that this was uh, being allowed in America, that you could just prejudice, prejudice and isolate a group of people and blame them for a lot. I have a lot of friends, Japanese, Chinese, Asian, Nigerian, African or whatever, and I do not condone um, it. But so what can we do? Every time you get a moment to educate your folks because people are sleeping on them, you're absolutely right. Asian for, for the most part stay quiet. So they haven't been voicing it, it's been happening. It's, we as black people have been the more prominent one in the news, but this is being revealed now. So we need in our small group of people, if you see an Asian, whatever, we need to start educating the people around us so they are aware because they are, not they are not broadcasting that just as much. So it's not just about black people, okay? It's about every um, person, brown, black, that are minority, that are treated wrong, except for the white supremacists and the people that looks um, different and, and basically, uh, I'm sorry, can have white privilege, yeah. okay? So this is, that's why I'm gonna encourage this group. Like you start opening your voice and you talk about this and make it known and you ask the people in your group to continue to make it known. And that's how we're going to like, let's bring this to light. If the Asian can't do it, then we need to be their allies and be a voice for them. That's all I have to say. I don't know if my other group wants to say Beautiful, Tanya. Thank, Thank you, Tanya. I'm seeing, I'm seeing claps and snaps go all around. Oh, really? so I oh, think, yeah. oh yeah. So you've I got I wish it. I could give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, Tanya. Well, thank you. Thank we'll go to room five, where, which had uh, Anjali, Cheryl, Joseph, and Michelle. If you could please share. Thank you. Should I? I guess I'll speak. Um, hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Uh, my name is Michelle, as you know. Uh, Michelle Abraham. Um, yeah, uh, we talked a lot about the ways in which uh, we specifically are um, sort of uplifting and bringing awareness and being allies um, and contributors to uh, solutions. Um, so uh, Joseph um, Joseph Ye was um, talking about how um, you know he really wants to uplift the community within the technology sector, um, making sure that there are um, you know equitable 
um, you know, uh, equitable opportunities uh, for people in the Asian community um, to succeed and to, you know, basically facilitate success. Um, for myself, I talked about how um, I come from more of a social impact perspective. Um, so I am a sex researcher and a dating app founder. And one of the things that, um, that I'm very, very committed to do is uh, dismantling many of the stereotypes and tropes uh, regarding dating relationships and sex as it comes to many different marginalized groups, including the Asian American community and the Asian community at large. Um, and I'm also um, actually not using the algorithm uh, that is standard in social apps and dating platforms because it's inherently biased. Um, essentially, it, it limits and marginalizes um, groups uh, through, you know, biases within the algorithmic uh, programming. And so I'm very, very committed to dismantling, um, you know, the... Um, the systems that cause social platforms and dating apps to be racially biased. And, um, um, and I also work um, a lot in terms of educating um, people from a sociological perspective and historical perspective um, as it pertains to um, sexual fantasies and relationships and dating. Um, uh, Cheryl, um, I, I'm not sure Cheryl got to fully share, um, but she is an incredible person and she definitely was able to, um, you know, tell us a lot about her life and, and why it's really important to demolish and dismantle so many of these biases, particularly within uh, the queer community as well. So we talked a lot about that. Um, and Anjali, um, who I believe um, works at Cisco, was, you know, also talking about um, the fact that, you know, there is negative treatment oftentimes um, of immigrants from the Asian community um, who are working um, at companies and, you know, not receiving equal treatment and not being treated well due to being immigrants and also in the Asian community. So we talked a lot about like the intersection between, um, you know, um, social justice and how we can take our professional positions and actually use it as a platform for change and education um, and to actually get people to think about why they um, why they have these um, biases in the first place, uh, which is, of course, we know uh, due to oppression and white supremacy. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Michelle. Room six, we had Alicia, Carol, Emma, Chris, and Tammy. I guess I can take a stab at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a really great conversation. Uh, and I, I won't, if I can just take a moment. Yeah, but I think the, the, the most essential the part of the conversation was understanding that each of us is going to be able to address this differently. And we're going to have different levels of comfort addressing it and being champions for change and being allies. And so for some of us, it's really making sure and, and these are things that came out, it's making it's 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 having it's making an effort to diversify our feeds right, to make sure that the information that we are receiving is actually genuine information, is, tr is true information, and is coming from the individuals who are living these experiences. And at the same token, how, how, how much pressure it can be to put on ourselves to feel that we need to be out there being, you know, uh, on the front lines or, or, or calling or, you know, uh, 
calling people out or anything like that. The, the, what I'm getting at is that we all have different comfort levels in life and every movement has different roles and we all have different roles that we can play. And so I think we spent our time talking about what that might look like for us and our different levels of comfort. Um, that's just me getting at it from a high level team. But if you think that there's anything else there, please pop in. Looks like you're getting thumbs up and confirmation, Chris. So it sounds like you did uh, fantastic. Again, thank you, everyone. Um, Cheryl, one, I, I want to pass it over to you one last time. Any, you know, final thoughts or, uh, you know, final words for this group before we uh, break? I just, I just want to thank everybody for being here. You have no idea, like, the exasperation I felt this past year, just trying to get the information out uh, to finally see people come together like this. You know, it's, it's just really been a whole year. So thank you so much. I really appreciate all the efforts, um, everyone here. Thank you. Yes. And uh, again, me, myself, uh, I want to personally thank every one of you for coming, being open, showing each other grace and compassion to learn and just, again, uh, be willing to come together and have these uncomfortable conversations. Again, thank you, Cheryl, for coming again and uh, joining me in this conversation. Um, next week, we do have, um, again, we meet every Thursday, uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Uh, we are still uh, honing in on our speaker next week, so we will have more information shortly. Again, you can join LEAD on LinkedIn. We have a group there. And we also have our Slack called the Avengers Mansion. Great conversations, resources, and posting opportunities in the DEI space. Uh, we will send all of those links out again in our follow-up email, and as well as the numerous resources that were provided by uh, so many of you in this conversation. So we'll be sure to share those out. Again, thank you so much on behalf of LEAD. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your week. Thank you again for tuning into this special episode on the Leading People First podcast, where our leaders for equity, allyship, and diversity conversation talked about how we can support our Asian and Pacific Islander communities by speaking up, activating, and sharing space for them. We hope you can join us next time live as we come together to learn, activate, and empower to make a difference in the world. We meet on Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, you can find the next event on LinkedIn, so make sure you're in our groups. If you'd like more information, feel free to reach out to me directly. All of our group information, as well as my own information, is in the show notes. Don't forget to click that subscribe button to hear more of our conversations moving forward and share this episode with someone who needs to hear more information about what's happening in the Asian American community. We're so excited that you joined us in this movement. Let's go out into the world and lead together and stay awesome.